number seven, Stan Phillips. Happy Saturday, Met fans. What a beautiful day. What a beautiful weekend it's been. And what a beautiful Good Friday. Good Friday in more ways than one for New York Met fans. Yes, the home opener was yesterday. Yes, the Tom Seaver statue was revealed. Yes, it was Jackie Robinson's 75th anniversary of breaking into Major League Baseball. You couldn't have asked for a better day weather-wise, history-wise, and all the events that transpired yesterday. Just a magical day. One that every Met fan, especially those who went to the game and I was fortunate enough to go, will remember for a lifetime. It was superb. Uh, where to begin? There's so much to talk about. But I guess the most important thing when you're talking about 2022 Mets is talking about the game itself. And then we'll get into everything else later on. Uh, like I said, it was the home opener and the Mets were victorious 10-3. Chris Bassett struck out 6 and allowed just two runs as the Mets bats came alive and crushed four home runs in their 10-3 home opening win over the Diamondbacks. And how about Francisco Lindor? Uh, he gave the Mets fans, well, I don't boo per se, but he gave the fans a lot of reason to boo the first two months of last year. Well, yesterday he started off his first home game in the first two months of the year in tremendous style as he launched two home runs in the win. And afterwards, afterwards, called it a great day to be a New York Met. We agree, Francisco. Starling Marte went 3-for-5 with a homer in his first game at City Field and said the Mets have a really special group this season. And I really do think so. And guess what, Starling? You're a major reason why. Now, Buck Showalter's influence has seemingly helped Lindor embrace playing in New York. Uh, Buck is that fatherly type of figure who can really, really help Francisco out. And then, of course, we had the big reveal at City Field, Tom Seaver. Uh, I got there early and was lucky enough to get a prime location. And I was shocked afterwards at how many people were there to take it all in. It was amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. And words just can't describe what I saw. But I'll try later on. Uh, and talking about even the future, Seaver was part of the past, but Brett Beatty and Francisco Alvarez continue to smack the ball in the minor leagues. And they won't be down there much longer. I mean, they're going to be Mets before you know it. But what's the most impressive thing about the Mets start so far? We'll talk about that. And time flies. Jacob deGrom is almost set for his next MRI, and hopefully that's going to bring us some good, good news. And the Tom Seaver statue, what did that overdue honor really mean for Met fans? We'll talk about it. Now, the only little cloud over this whole thing was uh, there were multiple positive COVID tests in the Met group. Two players were affected, and we'll tell you who those two were. But uh, let's get to what we want to talk about first. How about Chris Bassett? All right. You guys want to talk Chris Bassett? We'll talk Chris Bassett. He... Again, I feel bad because I didn't really see Chris Bassett that much. A, he's in the American League, and I don't watch as many American League games as I should. Uh, the other thing is, 
Uh, he, the Oakland A games are so late at night that I didn't get a chance. You know, I need my sleep too. Uh, I wish I was superhuman, but I, I don't even think, and I'm being honest with you now, I don't even think I saw Chris Bassett pitch a game last year. But I'm going to try and catch, catch every pitch that he's throwing this year because he is the real deal. Uh, he won his second straight start yesterday, and he is looking good, folks. Really, really looking good. And he just allowed, like I said, one run over six innings of pitch, pitching, and that was fantastic. Uh, and again, with him and the way Tyler McGill is pitching, and we got Cookie Carrasco going today. Hopefully he can continue the trend. The sting of not having Jacob deGrom has basically been non-existent. Folks, I don't. I know it's only eight games, but we're in first place. Atlanta's under 500. Philly's under 500. So you talk about the ideal perfect start. We're experiencing it right now. And I said this all last year for you followers of the podcast. Francisco Lindor, he had that New York jinx. That first year you come to New York, whether you're a Met or a Yankee and you're getting a big contract from either team, traditionally has been a rough year for all newcomers. But I think Frankie, well, I know he doesn't like to be called Frankie, so I'll show him the respect and call him Francisco here. Uh, he is going to have a breakout year with the Mets, typical to the years he had in Cleveland before coming here. And again, a lot of it may have to do with Buck Showalter. Buck Showalter, I think, is one of those managers that's just going to get respect from all the players in the Met dugout. Now, it looks like a good core of Met players in that Met dugout. And they can respect a guy like Buck. And Buck, in return, can respect guys like Lindor, who will rise to the occasion if given that due respect. Now, Starling Marte, is he Adonis? Is that guy chiseled? Oh, my God. He's, he has, like, the perfect athletic body. And he can hit, and he can run, and he is just adapting to right field, basically a center field, and never really played right field. But again, this shows what a team player Starling Marte is. He is the type of guy that will adapt to his surroundings uh, to make a team better. And he is giving it a go in right field, and I think he's going to become a very, very good right fielder. Uh and I, the good thing you got to admire about Steve Cohen's reign as owner, he'll make the deal. He'll push the button on the deal, but he's not going to trade his prize prospects. That's why Brett Beatty and Francisco Alvarez are such key figures in the Met future. And you know that they're going to be there. And I know there will be no panic on the Mets' part to actually get rid of any of these guys. Like I said, I can't keep stretching, stressing enough how Lindor and Showalter are like the perfect fit. This could be the perfect manager for Francisco Lindor. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel, but Francisco Lindor has such positive energy every time he plays that if he's in the right circumstances, he's just going to feed off of it. And I think Buck Showalter will allow him to feed off of it. Uh, I can't ask for a better pairing, to be honest with you. It is fantastic. Uh, 
Now, granted, let's, let's admit one thing. The Mets haven't played the best teams in baseball right now. But you know what? They're all professionals, whoever plays for whatever team in Major League Baseball. So you still have to play the game. You still have to win. But let's make no mistake, the dramatic difference between a year ago and the way they're playing better baseball in all phases of the game is readily apparent. Maybe it has something to do with Buck Showalter's philosophy as stressed from day one. That is, do the little things well, pay attention to details, and the big things will take care of themselves when you have a roster loaded with talent. And the Mets do have a roster loaded with talent. Now, talent doesn't always win. Remember the worst team that money could buy in 92? I sure do. Uh, but if you do all the little things and you have the talent, you're going to be unbeatable. And that's something the underachieving Mets of recent years could not get right from making mental mistakes on the bases and on the field defensively to overthinking themselves in the outs with the bats and clutch situations. They really are playing crisply so far. It's always going to look better when a team is winning, but you can see Buck's influence in some of the little things. Uh, some of those guys probably need a manager like Buck, somebody to believe in them and buy in after the last few years. I mean, look at Lindor. Buck was probably the right guy to talk to him about what he went through last year and help him get it back on track. In truth... Lindor was probably a good bet back to have a bounce-back season no matter what who who was managing him. Uh, just the old story, the star player comes to New York, tries too hard to justify a mega contract in his first year, and then relaxes in year two and beyond. Maybe that's all it was with Lindor in this season. He's off to a hot start hitting two home runs on Friday and looking like the guy who earned a reputation as a superstar in Cleveland. But it's certainly worth noting that Showalter has repeatedly made a point of talking publicly and privately to players, I'm told, about the way to best deal with the New York factor. Uh, Showalter's always credited David Cohn, with whom he managed in 1995 with the Yankees, for something that he has turned to his own motto, making the point no matter how tough the New York fans can be at times, they're really dying for someone to just give them a reason to embrace the ball club again. In the case of Friday, when the sold-out crowd at City Field was already amped up emotionally from the unveiling of Tom Seaver's statues before the home opener, Showalter himself admitted to feeling a certain pressure to deliver a win. You want to do something the fans are proud of. It's an electric place, uh, without a doubt. And the fans are really want, wanting to embrace this ball club. So things are looking good on that front. And... Uh, there's a reason why they're giving Francisco the, these big bucks, and that's to actually produce the way he is producing so far. So, so far, so good. And you can see, again, we're 6-2. and two. I'm not complaining. Now, another big trade that they made, and I was so happy when they did, I mean signing they did, and I'm so happy that they did it, was Starling Marte, who broke out with a 3-for-5 afternoon from the batter's box in Friday's 10-3 win over the D-backs. That was his best performance so far as a Met, and that's including one stolen base, which came in New York's first home game. Uh, and you can tell he's the type of guy that's going to thrive off the fans in the city itself. Uh, now, granted, no matter where you play, it's the same circumstances. But it seems like when the Mets or the Yankees are winning, New York fans really get behind them. So you have Marte and Lindor batting back-to-back -back in the lineup. When both are hot, pretty things are going to be happening. And don't think Pete Alonso and everyone else in that order isn't going to thrive with these guys hitting. Uh, they just got to stay inside their heads, inside the game, let the game come to them, and everything will be fine. 
So Marte's batting 290, 333, with a, and a 419 slash line through his first seven games, which is what we kind of expected. So just to do what you're expected is going to be a big plus for the Met fans. Just can't have these off years. Uh, Got to be patient, like I said. Let the game come to them. You can't hurry. You can't be hasty. You can't make mistakes. Uh, but everything is going to be fine, Met fans. Everything is going to be fine. Uh, what else did we want to talk about today? Uh, well, I, I, this is going to be a long, long uh, topic and podcast if I don't cut to the chase and talk about Tom Seaver's ceremony yesterday. As a, I'm one of those guys that I think is a Met fan because of Tom Seaver. Uh, a little self-confessional, when I was seven years old, I was born in 61. I was a Yankee fan. I liked Mickey Mantle. But then my dad took me to uh, Shea Stadium, Tom Seaver, against the Cardinals in 68. And I was just mesmerized by the green grass of Shea and Tom on the mound, and I've never looked back. So Tom really is the reason why I'm a Met fan. And Tom is really the reason why I have so much utmost respect for him as a professional athlete. Because for him to capture the imagination of a seven-year-old, he must have been doing something right. And for a guy like me who's now 60 years old to still be engrossed in Tom Seaver's past, it says a lot about the man. Now, I got there early yesterday, and there was already a good crowd there. So I'm jostling for position, looking for the best position. So I went right behind the stage. Like, say the stage is in the middle of a clock. I was there at like 7.30, in between 7 and 8. And uh, was watching everyone come in. I was on the side where the VIPs were entering. Uh, the first one I actually saw was Chris Christie, believe it or not. So Chris Christie, diehard Met fan, uh, political figure. He was there, and Terry Collins came in, Howie Rose, the MC of ceremonies. Everyone was coming by uh, saying hello. Sandy Alderson came over, said a few words to me, took a picture. I'm so grateful to Sandy. I think he's a brilliant baseball mind, and he was put in a position that he couldn't win having MLB help out the Mets uh, when they were financially strapped, and he did a good job. He got us to the 2015 World Series on a shoestring budget. And, uh, well, shoestring for a New York team, let's put it that way. Uh, Johnny Franco was there. He came over, got a selfie with him. He's a great guy. Bubbly personality and just a good guy. Uh, Steve Cohen came around. I thank Steve for all he did. He took a selfie. Uh, and I, I tell you, Fred Wilpon showed up, and Fred just, like, lifted his hand and, like, waved towards the fans. And you can tell the difference between Steve Cohen and Fred Wilpon. Steve Cohen knows where he came from as being a Met fan. And he wants to come up to you and talk to you and whatever. And he did that just yesterday. Fred Wilpon, not passing judgment, was probably born into money. And uh, you can see the difference between someone who like Cohen, who has, I'm not going to say middle-class roots in Long Island, but he, I don't think he was a, from a millionaire family or whatever. But uh, the difference between the two, and Steve Cohen is a Met fan first, Owner second, he'll do what it takes. And I think he knows that we appreciate everything that he's doing. So hats off to Steve Cohen. I really, really appreciate him coming over to take the time out to say hi. And it was fantastic. It was a thrill for me. Uh, the ceremony itself was great. It was great seeing Tom's wife, 
and three daughters there. They were in great spirits. Uh, Nancy, why Nancy's, uh, I guess, you know, old age catches up just, she had to be wheeled up to stage and then she walked up and really couldn't stand too much longer. And she said, so glad to see everybody there, her family, the fans. And then she pointed at Tom's statue and said, and you too, Tom. And it was tough. That was an emotional moment. A couple of people around me were breaking out into tears. Uh, it was that moving, uh, Howie Rose was a great MC as always. He is the official voice of all these events big in Met history and couldn't ask for a better MC. Then they had, I guess, the Queensboro president came on. He was yapping and yapping and yapping, going through Tom Seaver's history. Howie Rose was standing right next to me, and Howie turned to a few of us and says, are we honoring him or are we honoring Tom? Because he was just going on and on. He spoke the longest of everyone. Then Tom Piazza looks like he's becoming the figurehead uh, the Mets uh, living retired players uh, spoke briefly, and it was nice to hear Mike speak. And uh, then the big reveal. Uh, oh, Steve Cohen came on and spoke, and Steve eloquently paid tribute to Tom. Uh, it was just a great, great moment. And Steve was stressing the fact the Mets were so thankful, or we should be thankful, that we won that lottery when uh, the Braves signed uh, Tom Seaver illegally. It was just the Mets, the Phillies, and the Indians in the lottery, and the Mets won. Because to this day, we need to be thankful for winning that lottery, and we are. But it was a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. One of my, and I've been going to Met games now over 50 years. That was tomorrow, I mean, yesterday is one game I will never forget, just due to the Seaver ceremony. Uh, the enthusiasm of the Mets crowd. And you, everyone's enthusiastic on opening day, but you can sense the Mets fans feel it this year. The Mets fans really do feel it this year. And it was electricity in the crowd all day. Beautiful day. We all got a Jackie Robinson t-shirt. And let's not ignore the fact that it was Jackie's day too yesterday. The Mets paid him the ultimate respect too during moments in the game. And the player introductions. So what a start to the year. What a beautiful way to begin it all. Uh, City Field uh, is jazzed up again. If you guys haven't been there yet, the out-of-town scoreboard out in left field used to just be like light bulbs and you couldn't even see it during the daytime. Well, the Samsung zippers are up there. And it's now like an LED display, so it's crystal clear and the letters and the emblems of the team are up there. Uh, fantastic. You can see it no matter how bright the sun is. Uh, the zippers going around the upper deck and, uh, uh, 300 level. I don't even know what they call it anymore. Excelsior level. And they have zippers going around and it's good because it's not a hodgepodge of all advertisements like it used to be. Say top of the first, hypothetically, I can't remember who the sponsor was, but StubHub. The whole zippers going around will say StubHub. Next half inning, Coca-Cola. So it's effective and you have that light shining of one advertiser per half inning. And it's so much more effective. And uh, Samsung always puts out good products. As a matter of fact, everything I have is basically Samsung except for my laptop and Mac. Uh, my TVs, my phone, everything. I love Samsung products. I'm so glad that you know, they didn't, Mets didn't have to do this, but they made the... Uh, Scoreboard experience has more pleasurable. And the scoreboard, every time there's a strike, the strike lights up. 
until the next pitch, telling you that the last pitch was a strike. How many pitches the pitch is thrown keeps blinking until the next pitch is thrown. Uh, it's just great. You have to be, go there. There's more to the scoreboard than that, but that's just some of the highlights. So it is now a great, great experience. And uh, again, Steve Cohen looking out for us Met fans, that's for sure. Okay, now it's time for our fun stuff about the group. If you're not a member of the Facebook group, New York Mets Baseball Way of Life, please do join. Again, we're New York Mets Baseball Way of Life, and we're exclusive with Met content. We have a lot of great people participating every day, good stuff posted every day. So please do check us out. And if you're listening to the podcast, please do subscribe. We put up one every day, so please check that out. And if you ever want to reach me, uh, I'm easily accessible at the email address philstan41gmail.com at gmail.com. Feel free to express your opinions, your displeasures, ideas, suggestions. Maybe you want to hop on a podcast and talk. We'll do that. Uh, Again, just reach out to me at philstan41 at gmail.com. Now we're going to give you the trivia question and the Jeopardy question today before we go any further. Who is ready? The trivia question is, Name the four players the Mets traded to the Montreal Expos for Gary Carter on December 10, 1984. And today's Jeopardy question, as always, we give you two clues. Who is ready for the clues? The two clues are traded by the New York Mets to the Kansas City Royals in exchange for Marvell Wynn and John Skinner on March 31, 1981. And the second clue is war number 48 and 43 as a New York Met. We'll be back at the end of the podcast to tell you how you guys did, if you got the answers right, if you're participating, and I hope you do as always. So stay tuned. Now let's talk about what's going on in the group itself. Uh, Today we know that on this date, 1964, water from the Gowanus Canal, which flows near Dodger's old home, Ebbets Field, and water from the Harlem River located near the Polo Grounds, once the Giants and the Mets' home ballpark is blessed and used to christen Shea Stadium. The ballpark's namesake, Bill Shea, credited with bringing the National League back to New York, pours the water from two bottles, blessing the flushing metal structure on the eve of its debut. Then we noted that on this date in 1966, on the second day of the season, Jack Fisher uh, gives up just five hits in a second complete game effort, beating Atlanta at Chase Stadium 3-1. The win represents the Mets' earliest victory in franchise history. Then, of course, in the group itself, everyone was talking Seaver. We were posting Seaver. Uh, I posted some pictures I took at the thing, the ceremony, the thing, the ceremony yesterday. So if you want to see them out, uh, check it out. We got pictures of Terry Collins, Mike Piazza, Chris Christie, Sandy Alderson, you name it. Tom Seaver's family, Howie Rose. Uh, It was a who's who of people. And, of course, Steve Cohen. So check it out if you want to check out the photos. Like I said, a lot of good stuff on there. And uh, you know what we forgot to do? We forgot to mention all the Met birthdays today. Oh my God. I went a little bit out of, out of sequence. I usually do that first right after we talk about all the current events. And I didn't today. And it threw me off for a loop. Oh. Shows you, man. I'm like a robot. I have to do everything according to, like, plan here. And that's not good, is it? Well, happy birthday, New York Mets. Bruce Bochy, one of the greatest managers of all time, born this date in 1955. Yes, he was a Met at one time. 
Happy birthday to Fernando Vina, born in 1969. Happy birthday to Ken Takahashi, born this day in 1969. Happy birthday to Tyler Bashor, born this day in 1993. And happy birthday to Albert Amora, born this day in 1994. So those are your Met birthdays. And that's how we're going to end up the broadcast, by wishing these fine folks a happy birthday. And before we do that, you know, we have to reveal what the Jeopardy and trivia answers are. So let's get to that without further ado. Yesterday's Jeopardy, uh, today's Jeopardy in the group. Uh, two clues traded by the New York Mets to the Kansas City Royals in exchange for Marvell Wynn and Joel Skinner. And John Skinner on March 31st, 1981. The second clue is war number 48 and 43 is a met. Well, the correct answer to that one is who is Juan Berenguer? Congrats to John Tierney on being the first to submit that correct response. John knows his stuff. And the Met trivia question of the day was... Who were the four players the Mets traded to get Gary Carter in one of the biggest trades in Met history on December 10th, 1984? Well, the correct answers are Hubie Brooks, Floyd Yeomans, Mike Fitzgerald, and Herm Winningham. Congratulations to our good friend Jason Lynch on being the first to submit the correct answers for that one. Jason knows his stuff. He's pretty sharp. Well, that's going to end up another podcast here for today. A lot of fun stuff we talked about today, and there'll be more fun stuff today. Don't forget the Mets are playing at 110. Yeah, Saturdays are 110 games, right? Yeah. Yeah, Rain Man. Yeah, Rain Man. Uh, Zach Gallon's pitching for the D-backs, and Carlos Carrasco, hopefully he can continue to pick up where he left off uh, last year. I mean, last start, and continue the good start in 2022. We'll be back to talk about it tomorrow. Enjoy the day, enjoy the beautiful weather, and let's go Mets. And again, thank you for listening. It means so much to me. Meet the Mets. Meet the Mets. Step right up and greet the Mets. Bring your kiddies, bring your wife. Step right up and greet the Mets.